want to welcome you to the Reformed Informants. This is a podcast devoted to biblical exposition, systematic theology, and practical application for the good of the church. I'm Lance Burroughs. And I'm TJ Darty. And we are the Reformed Informants. Pneumatology Part 2. Man, I, I think I may start every... Uh, every episode of this series with that I, i'm so hyped for this series i, I can't even believe it um uh, when i was editing last week's episode i mean i was fired up this is uh, i mean i can't wait to record these yeah it's it's, it's funny man i said this at the end of, of last week's episode that i came into this admittedly a little less fired up than you but with each growing uh, conversation e- e- each time we discuss, and, and of course, I feel like this anytime we have a conversation for the podcast. I, I just I love talking theology, I uh, love having these conversations, I love the prep, I love the uh, all the things that go into it. But, uh, but in particular, this particular doctrine dealing with the Holy Spirit has uh, reignited a desire to study and to think through the Holy Spirit, and um, it's it's bleeding over into my preaching. I mean, I just preached on the spirit in verse two of Genesis chapter one. So I, I, I love it. I love it. Well, yeah, man. I mean, what I just heard is that you're the, you were completely bummed that we were starting a study on pneumatology, man. Only theologian I know that would be upset about that. (laughs) Well, it's, uh, it's it, it's not that I was upset about doing pneumatology. I said I really can't wait to do soteriology. I really can't wait to do ecclesiology. But uh, it's like it's like we said last week. Like there's there's so much to to slow down and to examine here. And um, uh, yeah, th- this has been good for my soul already. And I'm I'm looking forward to this conversation too. Yeah. Well, if you uh, missed last week's episode. Uh, it was uh, episode 59, Pneumatology Part 1, and we dealt with uh, the Holy Spirit in terms of being misunderstood. Uh, we, we ultimately came to the conclusion that He is the most misunderstood member of the Trinity, and within that we gave uh, somewhat of a flyby, a flyover of pneumatology of the Holy Spirit, basically um, a preview of where we are going to be going. Uh, the next two months. So with that in mind, uh, we're going to bounce right into this episode because we've got a lot of content that we want to cover. This is episode 60, Pneumatology Part 2, and we've titled this episode, The Deity of the Holy Spirit. The Deity of the Holy Spirit. So our goal, our objective this episode is to open up the Word of God, open up the Scriptures, and show you that the Bible does indeed teach that the Holy Spirit is God. Now, I'm going to send it back to you, TJ, because I want you to give us uh, somewhat of a review um, as you dive into uh, the terminology of the Holy Spirit. We touched on this briefly last episode, but I want you to kick this episode off talking about Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, and what what that means. Yeah, well, we we've said before this is our pneumatology series, and pneumatology is the uh, study of the Holy Spirit. And so you have, you know, Christology is the study of Christ. You've got bibliology is the study of the Bible. Theology, the study of God, and so uh, pneumatology is the study of the Spirit. Now. Uh, this word pneuma uh, means spirit uh, from the Greek, or it could also mean breath 
or wind. And I'm uh, really excited when we get towards the work of the Spirit and uh, the way in which the Spirit uh, moves and works in our lives. We'll see uh, the significance of that terminology, uh, especially I'm thinking in John chapter three. So we'll come back to that. Uh, but that that word, that Greek word pneuma means spirit. Um, and there's a the Hebrew equivalent is the the word ruach, which means a spirit or breath or wind. And so you see uh, ruach all the way back in uh, Genesis chapter one. Uh, whenever you see the spirit of God in the Old Testament, that's the word is ruach. Uh, and, and then accompanying uh, the, the Holy Spirit, you have this, this word holy. And so um, you, you, you've got uh, these, these descriptors in the language which, which set apart uh, the Spirit. And so um, we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that in terms of uh, the identity of the Spirit. But uh, in terms of, of terminology, that's where we get the idea of pneumatology, the idea of the Holy Spirit. These are biblical terms, uh, biblical language, um, and they they come from the root, which means spirit, breath, or wind. Anything you want to you want to add to that before we we hop into developing the person of the Holy Spirit? Now, I like what you said there, and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, but you know, as we're talking about the deity of the Holy Spirit, proving that He is God, I mean, you can see it even in His own name. He is the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit. Uh, of course, you can think back to uh, Isaiah chapter 6, where God is said to be holy, holy, holy. Um, I mean, so right there, even within the name of the Holy Spirit, it, it's a deity is already being ascribed to him. Um, yeah, so I appreciate the recap there on the terminology. I know you probably, did you get into some of the uh, uh, Hebrew uh, in, in your sermon just this past Sunday when you when you worked through the Trinity? You know it, man. You know I can't avoid getting into the Hebrew. That's, that's too good. It's too good not to. You can ask my church members. I, I gave them a little Hebrew lesson, and uh, we we talked a little bit afterwards. Uh, several people did. So yeah, uh, of course we got into it. You know, uh, what one thing, Lance, before we move on, uh, if, if you grew up in the King James, you, you may not be as familiar with the term Holy Spirit. You might refer to uh, the Holy Spirit as the Holy Ghost. So same thing there. Uh, I prefer Holy Spirit, but that's just me. Holy Ghost. Yeah, man. I don't know if you were ready for that. <laughs> it's like that early 1900s Pentecostal talk right there, man. Getting right, slain right. in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's there's probably more to be said about that, but we'll uh, we'll just move on from here. Yeah, I think it just it's the he's the Holy Spirit. The whole I don't know, man. The Holy Ghost. That's so interesting to me, man. <laughs> yeah, there's a. Uh, I'm gonna have to do a little bit of digging to see. Uh, where that, uh, where that diversion happened, and and why it happened, I'm I'm just fascinated by that because I do think that it's it's so obscure. Um, I have an idea, but I, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to go off the record and, and find some of these things before I before I speak to it. So, no, anyway. but that's good, man. I, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because that really segues into our next point. Uh, as we begin to open up the person of the Holy Spirit or the deity of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit isn't some vague, impersonal force. You know, he isn't the, <laughs> I think of like Casper the ghost, man. Like yeah, back in the yeah. day, I don't, it's like, 
it, it gives off it, the Holy Ghost to me gives off the idea of some vague, impersonal, uh, mystical, you know, yeah. reality. And that's just not the idea uh, behind the scriptures teaching on the Holy Spirit. But rather, the Holy Spirit is a divine person a divine person. I'm going to send it back to you so you can talk about this a little more. Yeah, I loved what you said. I think it was in last week's episode. You said something about how the Holy Spirit is mysterious but not mystical. And um, and we need to be really, really intentional about this because we do not want to communicate uh, either intentionally or unintentionally uh, that the Holy Spirit is some kind of force. Uh, in other words, we don't want to say, we don't want to use the pronoun it to refer to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a person. Uh, and we see this very, very clearly in Scripture. Um, I, I think that the most explicit uh, expression of this uh, can even be proven in the Greek, because you have Greek grammar, which, uh, if you're not a big Greek grammar nerd, forgive me for just a second, but you have Greek grammar, which speaks to uh, the personhood of the Holy Spirit, because there will be a masculine pronoun, which is uh, the only antecedent to this pronoun must be the Holy Spirit. And so you see the biblical authors, and I'm thinking in particular John chapter 16, uh, where John uses the masculine. So he says he, he, he doesn't say it. And, um, and the biblical writers are very precise. The Greek language is far more precise than the English. Uh, there is no ambiguity. And so uh, the Holy Spirit is clearly a he. He's a person, uh, not an it, not a force, not some kind of vague, uh, impersonal, mystical type of you know cloud of whatever. Uh, the Holy Spirit is a person. And, and that's really, really important, uh, especially as we think about the Trinity. We think about the the three persons of the Godhead. And if you've uh, forgotten what we talked about in that episode, be a good time to maybe refresh. Go back and listen to the to the Trinity episode. We talk about the three persons. Uh, the Holy Spirit is one of those three persons. Greek 101, ladies and gentlemen, right there. To bounce off that thought, though, our English translations have captured exactly what you said, though, because if you go back and you read John chapter 13 through John chapter 17, you will see Jesus refer to the Holy Spirit multiple times as a he. He called, you know, he, he, he over and over and over coming from the lips of Jesus. You know, so he right. he's not getting this thing wrong. Um Yeah, the upper room discourse, John 13 through 17, multiple times Jesus um, affirms the reality that he isn't an impersonal force, but instead he is a divine person. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I, I love that you pointed that out. Let me let me just read very quickly from the English translation. This is John chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. This is in particular where we see this in the Greek. But Jesus says, when the Spirit of truth, and we'll unpack that here in a minute, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will speak... Uh, he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So very explicitly, Jesus referring to the Holy Spirit as a person over and over and over again. And, and you mentioned uh, the, this upper room discourse. We see it in John 14, 26, John 15, 26, John 16, 7. Uh, Jesus is going to refer to the Holy Spirit as the, the paraclete, the, the advocate. 
There's a there's personhood attached to this. This is not uh, you have some kind of helping force. No, Jesus says you have the helper, the advocate of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's great, man. Thanks for adding that and reading those texts. Those are important for us to grasp as we begin to uh, work into the deity of the Holy Spirit. Now, right now we're right now we're wrapping up the the person of the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's what we're trying to establish um, first. Um, but because that plays a critical role into even what you preached on this past Sunday, we need to understand that in the Trinity, there is one God, but three persons. So we're identifying the personhood of the Holy Spirit, and then we're identifying him as, as deity, him as God. Right. So we've mentioned right. just in terms of the Greek language, masculine pronouns are used. Uh, you just mentioned that, uh, the Holy Spirit himself works. He, he does the work of a person comforting, uh, helper, advocating those things. But the Holy Spirit also has a mind. The Holy Spirit also has a mind. Um, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, the Apostle Paul writes that the Holy Spirit searches, so he actively searches, and he knows intellectually the depths of God. Um 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 says, For to us God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. So, so the Holy Spirit, again, he is, a, he is a person. He's not an it. He's not an abstract force. And, and we see that all throughout right. Scripture. Yeah, man, that's, that's, a, that's a, great, um, a great additional point to think, okay, we've seen the masculine pronoun. We've seen that he has the work of a person. And we're going to talk more about the Holy Spirit's work later, uh, we've seen that he has a mind. Also, he has a, a will. In other words, he, he makes determinations. Uh, we see this explicitly stated in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, uh, whenever uh, Paul writes that all these, speaking of spiritual gifts, are empowered by one and the same Spirit who, speaking of his personhood, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And so the Holy Spirit has volition. The Holy Spirit has personhood. That is very clearly stated there uh, in Paul's writings again to the first to to the Corinthians in First Corinthians chapter twelve. Yeah, he also has emotions. So he has a mind, will, and emotions, and this is what makes up a person. According to Romans fifteen thirty, the the Holy Spirit is able to love. The Holy Spirit is able to love. Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. So Paul, I mean, it's almost as if he just nonchalantly throws this in here. Yeah. Um, I <laughs> right. think on one hand, he, he, I think he absolutely does. I think it was a common knowledge and common understanding that the Holy Spirit does indeed love. That's why there's no explanation for it. And we know that Paul yep. likes to explain things, and he does in Romans in great detail. But this, he 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 just states, he just he just says. I think the Romans understood that. Yeah, and um, you know, speaking uh, again of the way that Scripture uh, refers to the Holy Spirit, we also see that the Spirit is given self-conscious awareness, and so uh, by that we mean to say uh, that the Holy Spirit has the ability to act in the way that a person does. Uh, and we see Luke explicitly uh, detail this for us in the book of Acts. So uh, we have a couple of instances where Luke records that the Holy Spirit is speaking. 
And so uh, we see this in Acts chapter 10. Uh, Peter reflecting, uh, thinking about the vision, says that the Spirit, in Acts chapter 10 verse 19, says the Spirit said to him, behold, three men are looking for you. So the Spirit is speaking. He's acting. This is not just some kind of impersonal force. Uh, A little bit later in Acts chapter 13 uh, verse 2 says, while they were worshiping uh, and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work for which I have called them. And so the Spirit is acting and, and functioning the way that a person does. He's, he's not just some kind of uh, mysterious and mystical you know, um, force, but rather he is a person. And I, I think we, we want to start there uh, and very clearly establish that the Holy Spirit is a he. Um, he has personhood. Um, again, just by way of, of emphasis, this is not just some kind of, uh, of, of force in the cosmos, but this is a person of the divine Trinity. So we, we need to have that established and then with his person, now we can transition and, and demonstrate from scripture that this person is indeed divine, that the Holy Spirit is indeed part of, uh, the Trinity, part of the Godhead. Yeah, well, what kind of person is he? That that's really the question we want to answer now. We have, I mean, he is a person, and I challenge and encourage you guys to go back and look at those scripture references for yourself, and and study those and take those to heart, because we must defend the personhood of the Holy Spirit. But now we need to define what kind of or what type of person is he. And this is really the meat, and this is really the heart of the entire episode. We want to defend that the Holy Spirit is God. We want to defend that the Holy Spirit is God. So we've laid out a few different categories uh, to help organize really the Scripture's teaching, which I would say make it makes it abundantly clear with dozens of verses that the Holy Spirit is God. But we've laid out a few different categories to kind of navigate us through uh, this episode, and we think that it'll be helpful uh, as, as we work through these. Um, Lance, Lance, you, you, you've laid out for us, man, and, and you've done an incredible job of, of preparing our, our episode guide for this episode. And I was just thinking about this, uh, because I preached on the Trinity this past Sunday. So if you are aiming to make a case for, so, so the way that I presented the Trinity, not unlike what we've done in our episode here, but, uh, I essentially argued that, okay, God is one. So we established from Scripture that there is one God, and that was very explicit, very straightforward, Old Testament, New Testament. And then I said that, okay, the the God of Scripture exists as three persons, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we talked about the way in which uh, these three persons are identified in Scripture. Um, and then I, I sought to make a case that the Father is, is divine, the Son is divine, and the Holy Spirit is divine. Well, in making this case— the 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 deity of the father is the easiest to prove it's most explicit straightforward in scripture the deity of the son is also incredibly straightforward like when you look at the biblical case for the deity of the son um i think burkhoff is the one that says anyone who affirms the inerrancy of scripture has no doubt it it is it is christ is indeed fully divine like there's just no question but the Holy Spirit is not quite as 
in your face. It's not quite as straightforward, right? There, there seems to be a little bit more. Until you do what we've done in this episode and you put it all together, you know, the case for the deity of the Holy Spirit is incredibly strong. So I'm really, really excited to do this. Almost, It's going to feel somewhat like overkill, but I think we need it. I think we need to be reminded of this reality because we said last week, the deity of the Father, the deity of the Son, like those are pronounced. Those are very much in our faith. Like we are very much aware uh, of of these two persons. And the Holy Spirit is misunderstood, forgotten, neglected. But I think it's worth it to just remind ourselves of uh, of the magnitude of the deity of the Holy Spirit. So, uh, with that being said, man, like I'm really excited about this. So you you lead the way kick us off here and start just systematically making our case for the deity of the Holy Spirit. Well, see, now you're fired up, man. <laughs> you know, I mean, look at that. It was only a matter of time. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, yeah, I'm not going to rehearse everything that you went through there, but you were spot on with your analysis of God, Christ, and the Spirit. In particular, once you start digging into the scriptures and looking for it, there's really a vast amount of material that defends exactly who the Holy Spirit is. Um, so you and I were talking about before we hit record, and I was telling you that I was reading through Gerhardus uh, Voss, his systematic theology. I think he, I think it's called Reformed Dogmatics. Um, it's a five-volume set. You can actually purchase it in one volume now. But I was looking at his work on the Holy Spirit, and the way he lays out his systematic is in a Q&A format. And he, he, he basically comes to the conclusion that once you weigh all of the evidence, all of the biblical evidence for the deity of the Holy Spirit, that it is absolutely impossible to cast any doubt upon his deity. Mm. In other words, mm. the case is absolutely crystal clear. So... Um, yeah, I mean, we have a lot of points that we could work through. We have a lot of scripture that we could read. I mean, we could r really turn this episode alone into a three or four hour, um, mm -hmm. you know, the three or four hour episode. I don't think we're going to. No, 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 we're not. We're, we're not. We've actually changed our recording time to like eight, eight thirty PM. So I got to get in shower, get in the shower, and get in bed, man. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so. Anyways, here, here we go. We're going to run through these. We're going to show you that the Scripture does teach this. First off, the Holy Spirit is given divine titles, specifically divine titles of divine relationships. This is very unique, and I'm not for sure that I actually thought about the Holy Spirit this particular way until I was formulating this guide. But the Holy Spirit is said to be the Spirit of the living God, 2 Corinthians 3.3, 3, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Now, you probably came across this one as you were preaching through Philippians chapter 1. Any, any comments right. on that that you remember back uh, when, when you were in that particular text? Well, when you see... Um and this is exactly where I think you're going, but <clears throat> when you see the Holy Spirit attached to the other persons of the Godhead, in this case, Jesus Christ, there is a, there is a by association, the Spirit is elevated in our eyes and in our minds uh, because he is attached to the, to the person of 
the sun. And so when what, what you want to do, and I, I think that this is exactly where you're taking us, what you want to do is when you see the deity of the sun pronounced and, and uh, lifted up all through scripture, we see this magnitude of the sun. And then you see a phrase like, the one you just mentioned in, in Philippians chapter one said so the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, the, the spirit that is associated with Jesus Christ. This is by association then lifting up the spirit as well. And so these divine titles, I, I love that you've included these because they are unique. Uh, this is, this is a, a very important uh, facet of the way in which scripture speaks of the Holy spirit. So you've mentioned spirit of the living God, spirit of God, spirit of Jesus Christ, uh, spirit of his son, spirit of Christ. Uh, I mean, th- th- these are so, so important. And I love that you've included them because they're so easy to just kind of gloss over. Yeah. And I think even even in verses that we're familiar with, like a Galatians 4, 6, mm-hmm. because we're sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. You know, like... that. You know, upon first glance, when when I read that verse, I, I don't tend to think of this divine title or this divine relationship that the Spirit mm-hmm. has with the Son mm-hmm. here. That that's not necessarily the, the the first component of that verse I think about. But in reality, it, <laughs> man, that, that's one of the main focuses, one of the main emphasis of the verse. Um, yeah, and we, we we see that in other places in the New Testament. Yeah, man, those are those are really really important, and I love that we've started there. So so the Holy Spirit. So we're making a case for the deity of the Holy Spirit. The first the first kind of sub point to that is that the Spirit is given divine titles, specifically in terms of divine relationship to other persons of the Godhead. So he's associated with the Father. He's associated with God. He's associated with Christ. He's the Spirit of God. He's the Spirit of Christ, uh, the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of the Son. So that's number one. But also, number two, we also see that he's given divine titles, which depict his divine attributes or divine perfections. So think back with us to theology proper, and we had a full episode on the attributes of God. And we talked about uh, the, the I, I can't remember how we uh, broke them up, Lance, uh, maybe goodness and greatness of God. And we, we talked about communicable and incommunicable. We, we talked about these attributes, which were specifically those of God, to say that these are the things which make God, God. And, and we had a list of attributes. And, and of those attributes, what we'll see is we see Scripture taking the attributes of God and placing the Holy Spirit uh, as a title with those attributes. So, for instance, uh, Romans chapter 1, Paul speaks of the spirit of holiness. Now, this holiness is a divine attribute. It's part of the attribute of who God is. And so when we see the Holy Spirit attached to this, there's an elevation given to his name. Yeah, I, I like how you broke that down, that the, the, these divine titles are uh, depicting divine attributes that are of the Godhead. You know, mm-hmm. So you said spirit of holiness. Well, that, that, that is obviously applied here to the Holy Spirit, but holiness is attributed to Christ. Holiness is attributed to God. 
We can go further in the New Testament. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth in John 14, 17. Mm-hmm. He's called the Spirit of Grace in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 29. I, you know, I don't, I'll be honest and admit, I don't often think of the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of Grace. You know, mm-hmm. I tend to go back to passages like in Ephesians 2, um, a Romans chapter 3, a Philippians chapter 3. You know, I think about grace and salvation and and that reality from God through Christ. But the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of grace in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 29. He's also called the eternal Spirit. The eternal Spirit. I love that. Um, man, I mean, that, that's and, crystal clear and, evidence. Yeah, and what what could eternal be a reference to if not his deity? I mean, that's part of what we talked about, like the godness of God. Well, part of the godness of God is that God is self-existing, that he's eternal. This is implied and assumed in Genesis 1-1, that in the beginning, God, like God just is, he just exists. And Hebrews, and and by the way, man, I love the way that the the biblical authors just kind of like casually just toss this in you know it's like oh yeah the eternal spirit like well of course he's eternal he's god but it's not something we tend to think about and so i love that this hebrews chapter 9 verse 14 uh how much more for the blood of christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to god again that i tend to when i read hebrews 9 i'm thinking about the sacrifice of christ i'm thinking about uh, redemption i'm thinking about the blood and there's just tucked away in here just this very direct reminder that the Holy Spirit is eternal. Uh, and what a reminder uh, that we constantly need. Yeah, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, uh, the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Wisdom. I mean, so I, well, we just listed half a dozen here. But, I, I, mean, I mean, even if we, if we stopped here, if the episode ended here, there would be mm-hmm. a big enough and compelling case to land on the deity of the Holy Spirit, that indeed he is God. But, but, mm-hmm. but there's so much more. There's so much more. Um, so not only do we see that he has divine titles in terms of divine relationship, not only does he have divine titles that depict divine attributes, he also has divine titles that describe his work, that describe his work. Uh, two offhand here. Uh, one would be from Romans chapter 8, verse 15. The Holy Spirit is called the spirit of adoption. The spirit of adoption. Now, when we hear that word adoption, man, I mean, that is at the heart of the gospel, right? God has adopted people as sons or daughters through the blood of Christ, through the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. But the spirit also has that capability. He also has that power. He adopts as well, we're told in Romans mm-hmm. eight fifteen. Yeah, in Romans 8, chapter 2, we see the same type of thing. We see uh, the law of the spirit of life has set you free. And so, uh, again, what you what you have here, and I love that you've pointed this out for us, we are now uh, three points in uh, to our, um, our case that we're trying to make for the, the deity of the Holy Spirit, and all we've done is identified different titles, different attributes that are ascribed to the Holy Spirit just in the way he's depicted, uh, just in the way that Scripture refers to him. Uh, whereas you would 
think that you might just see Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. We see these other titles over and over again in all kinds of different places that just speak to different facets, to different ministries of the Holy Spirit. And so when we see things like the spirit of adoption, the spirit of life, what we are uh, seeing is we're seeing his work, that he is uh, the giver of life, that he is the one who applies uh, redemption in the form of adoption as sons. When we see that, we see that is divine work. That is the work of God. And so we see deity ascribed to the Holy Spirit uh, in that way. And so, again, we're three points in, and if the episode stopped now, uh, the case is very straightforward. I think it's very clear. You've got me convinced, all right? But there's still more. Uh, There's still more that can be said. Uh, Now, beyond the way that the Holy Spirit is titled or named or referenced, we see plenty of other evidence to his deity in scripture. Uh, we've, we've already mentioned this one. We've uh, talked about 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that he is the one who wills and has the power to distribute spiritual gifts. And so there's there's a, a an omnipotence of the Holy Spirit, which is referenced here, uh, because only God can give something of this magnitude. Only God has the ability and the authority, uh, more importantly, the authority to be able to distribute spiritual gifts. And we see in 1 Corinthians 12, that comes through the Holy Spirit. Uh, also, Lance, you mentioned uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, that he knows he plummets the depths. He knows he has the mind of uh, to, to know and to understand God. Well, he knows all things about God in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 because he is God. And so we see the omniscience of the Holy Spirit. Um, also, uh, I'm just going to take one more. We also see the omnipresence of the Holy Spirit. Psalm 139, where can I go from your spirit. Yeah, nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, oh, sorry. That was that was for effect, and then I just uh, I just totally lost my train of thought. Where can I go from your spirit? Nowhere is the right answer. Yeah, where can I flee from your presence? Uh, that the, the point being <laughs> that the that the Holy Spirit is omnipresent. There there is no um, there's no space in which the Holy Spirit cannot cannot reside. Yeah, j- jumping back to, uh, you know, those first Corinthians texts that you brought up about the omnipotence and the uh, omniscience of the Holy Spirit. What, what's, man, I, I find this so fascinating is that, you know, the book of first Corinthians is one of the earlier New Testament documents. It's one of the earlier New Testament documents. It was probably written around uh, the mid fifties AD, there was probably only a handful of documents that had been written at that point for the new Testament. But as we've already mentioned on this episode, Paul, Paul is just, he's just laying out all of these claims about the Holy spirit without giving any apologetic for it, without giving any defense for it. He's just flat out saying, yeah, the Holy spirit, he's, He's omnipotent. He is sovereignly distributing his gifts as he pleases. And, and not only that, yep, he's also omniscient. He knows the depths of God because he is God. Um, it, I, again, it's just absolutely fascinating. And in reality, um, he, he's just building off of what even the Old Testament says about the Holy Spirit. You quoted from Psalm 139. Mm-hmm. 
which is referencing the omnipresence of the Holy Spirit. So, man, as you build this case, you, you, you're seeing this thing grow into Mount Everest here. It, it, it can't be toppled, mm-hmm. it can't be knocked down. Yeah. I mean, and, and the case, uh, as you mentioned, it just continues to build. Um, I'm really looking forward to future episodes whenever we talk about the work of the Holy Spirit. But uh, again, if we're going to make a case for his deity, uh, then we have to at least reference or at least mention his works. And the works of the Holy Spirit uh, clearly point to his deity. And so we see... Uh, as I just preached this past Sunday, we see uh, the activity of the Holy Spirit all the way back in Genesis chapter 1. And so we see uh, the Spirit is active in creation. So Genesis 1-1, you have God created the heavens and the earth. In John chapter 1, we find that the in the beginning it was the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word was God, and nothing was made except through the Word, that all things were made through the Word. So Jesus is active in creation, but we also see in chapter 1, verse 2, that the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, that He was preparing creation for habitation. And so the Holy Spirit is active in creating and in preserving and in bringing life into this world. And so that is the work of God, and thus speaks to the deity of the Holy Spirit. And that's just one of his works. What else, Lance, comes to mind in terms of the works of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, according to Titus chapter 3, verse 5, and John chapter 3, which we will give, um, I'm guessing, a, a solid amount of time to in soteriology. But mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit regenerates. In other words, he makes the dead sinner alive. So if, if you're a believer, if you are a brother and sister in Christ, you are in Christ because of the divine work of the Holy Spirit. He, he has regenerated you. You are born again because of him. Uh, and when that happens, the Holy Spirit, according to Ephesians chapter 1, seals us for the day of redemption. Um, he, he seals, he, he acts as the guarantee of the, of our inheritance. And so when the, when the father looks upon us, those of us who are in Christ, what sets us apart is that we have been sealed. We've been marked by the Holy spirit. This is a work of God, um, in, in completing and in applying redemption. So the father initiates salvation, uh, the son uh, accomplishes salvation, and then the Holy Spirit applies salvation. Again, this is the work of God, and, and, and the Holy Spirit is active in this work. And so, again, speaking to, pointing to his deity. Um, what else, man? Yeah, well, man, just to bounce off what you uh, just shared from Ephesians chapter 1 about the sealing of the Holy Spirit, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 Uh, Verse 21 says, Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God. Verse 22, Who has also sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. So, you know, the Spirit doesn't regenerate and then abandon. No, the the Spirit regenerates and he stays. He's there as a seal. He's there as a guarantee um, that's why we would argue um, from Scripture that 
once a believer is saved, they cannot lose their salvation because it's the Holy Spirit himself who keeps that person saved. Uh, Another one of the works of the Holy Spirit um, that I love to think about is the resurrection of Christ. So um, without getting too far off topic here, all three persons of the Godhead are active in the resurrection of the Son. Uh, Jesus himself is active uh, because he has the authority to lay down his life and to raise it up again. But Romans chapter 8 actually speaks of the Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. Uh, Paul says that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. And so the, the implication Paul's drawing here is the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. So in the same way, you have that Holy Spirit within you. He will raise your bodies in the in the great resurrection at the end. And so the work of the Holy Spirit points to his deity. He, he is God who raised Jesus from the dead. Well, Romans 8 tells us that the Holy Spirit was active in, in bringing Jesus back to life. Man, that's so good. I mean, his divine works are all over Scripture. And that really segues into the, the next sub point is he, he wrote scripture. He, he mm. is the author of scripture. He, according to second Peter chapter one, uh, verses 20 and 21, he moved men along as, as they, they wrote down the words of God. Um, and I, I think we touched on that last episode. And I think even back in our bibliology series that we did, um, uh, about a year and a half ago. So one final work that we put down here on the guide is that the Holy Spirit intercedes. The Holy Spirit intercedes. If you go back and read Romans chapter 8, which by the way, man, we've referenced that a handful of times here on this episode. Some have said Romans chapter 8 is the chapter on the Holy Spirit. And mm. you could argue for that. Uh, but Romans chapter 8 verse 26 demonstrates that the Holy Spirit intercedes for the believer. Uh, the Holy Spirit intercedes to God. There's inter-Trinitarian uh, communion. Um, there's mm. this inter-Trinitarian uh, communication uh, that goes on on behalf, this is what's amazing, on behalf of the believer. When, when the Holy, or rather when the believer prays to God, the Holy Spirit intercedes. The, the Holy Spirit, um, it, it's amazing, the Holy Spirit works. Um, works with uh, God and Christ um, on on behalf of that prayer the believer offered. I, I love that, and I can't wait. At some point in the future, we'll come back and do an episode on prayer, and in particular thinking about the Trinitarian activity in prayer, uh, that we pray to the Father through, through the Son, in the Holy Spirit. And um, and so this this work of the Holy Spirit, again, points to his deity. And so uh, if, if at this point in the episode, you still have doubts about the deity of the Holy Spirit, I I, I think there's a couple more verses that I, I just, if you have to have a nail in the coffin, there's a couple more thoughts that come with it. So um, the, the probably the last kind of sub point in terms of how we're developing the deity of the Holy Spirit is I, I would argue that in scripture, the Holy Spirit is equated and put on par with the other persons of the Godhead, and in particular, the Father and the Son. So I have in mind a passage like the Great Commission, 
So we're we're familiar with Jesus' closing words in Matthew 28. But when he says that we are to go and baptize, uh, we're to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name, and then he says, of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you think about that from the standpoint that God the Father is divine and God the Son is divine, why is the Holy Spirit listed alongside them if he's not divine? Well, clearly he is, but it would be strange. I saw one commentator on this verse say, it would be odd if Jesus said to baptize baptize believers in the name of the Father, the Son, and the angel Gabriel. Like that doesn't that doesn't fly because the, the one is not like the other. He, you know, he's like, look, the Father and the Son are divine, and Gabriel's not. Well, the Holy Spirit is, and so when we see passages which speak of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, when we see them put together like that, the deity of Christ elevates and lifts up the deity of the Holy Spirit in the same way. We've talked about that some already, but I think it just bears repeating that when we see those passages, uh, we should be reminded uh, of the deity of the Holy Spirit uh, in in those texts. Yeah, well, Paul links uh, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit together at the conclusion of his second letter to the Corinthians. If you go back and read 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, in his conclusion, in his closing remarks, he, he mentions all three in one verse. Again, no explanation, no apologetic. It's just right. known and understood to the apostle that that God the Father is God, that God the Son is God, and that God the whole Holy Spirit is indeed God too. Yeah, man. And um, <clears throat> I think if if uh, if I had to have one text to make a case for the deity of the Holy Spirit, you only give me one. I'm probably going to go to Acts chapter five. I, I think this is the most. Uh, I think it's the most straightforward, the easiest to understand. So Acts five, uh, real quick. It's Ananias and Sapphira. Remember the story. Uh, they sell a piece of property. Um, they lie about the proceeds. They lay it at the feet of the. They lay it at the feet of the apostles, and they say, "This is everything. We got all of this money, and we're giving it all to the church." Well, in reality, they had held back some for themselves, and they presented it as if they sold, as if they gave all the money. So they lied, and Peter uh, addressed Ananias, and he he confronts him, and he says, "Ananias." Why has Satan filled your heart? This is uh, Acts chapter 5, verse 3. Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the proceeds of the land? Then he goes on, he has this discourse, and in the very next verse, the last words that Ananias ever hears before he drops dead, Peter says, you have not lied to men, but to God. So he says, you've lied to the Holy Spirit, and then the next verse he says, you've lied to God, and that's your sin. That's what kills him. And so it's clear to me that Peter, recorded by Luke, is speaking and and putting forward the Holy Spirit as on par, as equal with God. It's to say that the Holy Spirit is God. He is divine. If you take that Acts 5 passage, again, this is the Apostle Peter speaking here, and you connect that back to the upper room discourse where Mm -hmm. Jesus teaching on the deity of the Holy Spirit, you, you see that, that that Peter is already grasping that reality, so much so that 
I mean, he's linking lying to the Holy Spirit with, with lying to God. And like right. you said, man, if you needed one, if you needed a one passage, one text, this is the one. This is mm-hmm. absolutely the one. Um, you know, it's interesting that you you put this on the guide, and and these are critical verses uh, to uh, this episode, but even more so to the argument that we're trying to make. And to go back to Gehertus Voss and his systematic, he he speaks of these verses. It's funny that I scanned across this earlier and then I saw this on the guide, but he says that these verses ascribe divine honor to the Holy Spirit, divine mm. worship, divine honor, um, which, which again, I mean, the case, the case is closed. Yeah. This thing is sealed up and done. The, the Holy Spirit is God and there's no way around it. Yeah. So if I could summarize, and maybe this will be uh, maybe our segue a transition into our initiative for, for this episode. But if I could summarize what we've argued just very briefly, uh, we would say that the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not, uh, he's not some kind of power or, or force or, you know, he, he's a person and that he is God. I mean, that's essentially like one sentence that we would we would summarize everything that we just said, that Scripture speaks of the Holy Spirit as a person and as a divine person. And the, the, the case for the deity of the Holy Spirit is truly comprehensive. I mean, we, he's given divine titles. Uh, he's given uh, titles which depict uh, perfect attributes of God. He's given titles which ascribe only work that God can do. He's uh, given and ascribed perfections uh, that can only be uh, attributed to God. He has divine works, and he is equated. He's put on par. He is spoken of the uh, with equivalence to the other persons of the Godhead and to God Himself. Uh, especially in Acts chapter five. And so the case, as you said, is closed. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is a person. And uh, there's not much else that needs to be said uh, about the person or the deity of the Holy Spirit. Oh man, that's that's good. And, and that does lead us into the initiative. And I'll go ahead and kick us off here. Um, and then I'll send it back to you to close us out. I think my initiative um, for this episode would be encouraging uh, myself to continue to think afresh about the Holy Spirit. And, and what I mean by that is exactly what we went through in this episode. Look, I, I need to think upon the Holy Spirit in terms of His divine titles that are next to His divine relationships, um, and also think of His divine titles as it revolves to His revolves around his divine attributes. He's the spirit of glory. He's the spirit of truth. He's the eternal spirit. There, you know, there, I feel like there's these components of the Holy Spirit that I often do not think about. Um, or, or I would even say I never think about. Um, so I'm really praying that the, that the spirit <laughs> it really, really opens my eyes into my heart to the, the fullness of him throughout the study. Man, I'm glad you mentioned that, and I think that that's a <clears throat> that's a good segue into my initiative, and that would be that um, I think it's it's worth reminding ourselves that we are indwelled by God Himself, that that God in the person of the Holy Spirit resides within us. 
Um, there, there's so often, and I'm speaking for myself, but I think that others would relate to this. So often it feels like God is so far away. It just feels so, it feels so easy to be disconnected. It feels so easy to be pulled away from God, <clears throat> to have all of these, uh, things, sin, busyness, whatever it might be, that just makes me feel like, I just got a got a million miles away tonight. How am I gonna how am I gonna get my heart back? But the Holy Spirit, God Himself, dwells within us, and um, just a just a sobering reality to think about God Himself in the person of the Holy Spirit. Not that it's God and the Holy Spirit is some kind of power that comes from God, but that the Holy Spirit is God and that he is the person of God. And so that's, uh, I, I love the way that you had just kind of reminded me of this need to think fresh, to, to remind myself of the truths that we see in scripture, but that we often take, uh, take for granted. So, yeah, this is, this has been encouraging for me. Yeah, man. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode. I don't know how many we have coming up in this series, but at this rate, we could hit that 10 mark like we did with Christology. There's a, there's a, there's a lot to be said, and so we want to make sure that you are uh, lined up for those future episodes. So if you're listening to this and you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. You can subscribe on our, uh, our YouTube channel. You can like us on Facebook at Reformed Informants. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at our underscore informants. And you can find links to all of our social media platforms and previous episodes all at our website at www.themajestiesmen.com slash reformed informants if you have any questions or suggestions for topics of discussion feel free to email us at reformed informants at gmail.com